so many of you know, uh, if you've been with us the last several weeks or been watching, we've been talking about this concept of your progress having no end. Uh, our spiritual parents have declared, even at the beginning of this year, unbeknownst to us, which we now know too, that they've declared that this is a year without limits. Uh, we said at the beginning of the year this was going to be our year of great progress, that this was a year that God wanted to take us to new heights, to new levels. He wanted to uh, develop our relationships deeper. He wanted to uh, cause us to have promotions on our jobs, to be leaders in our community, and to be uh, the head and not the tail, not just in the sense of our finances, but in everything that we do. And so uh, several weeks ago, we started this series uh, about your progress will have no end. And as I was praying this week, my Sean was gone doing some uh, ministry engagements. As I was walking and, and just talking to the Lord, one of the things he started to say to me is he took me back to the prophecy. Uh, and I haven't, I won't read through the whole thing. We've read through it several times the course of this year. I hope you continue to read it. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor this, year this year is not over. It's not over. And because this year is not over, that prophetic word is still available to those who will receive that word. Amen? And so uh, one of the scriptures that I want to start with this morning, uh, and then I want to talk a little bit about what the Lord said about storms. Um, last night, Pastor Sean was traveling back from uh, Miami, and whenever somebody I know travels, I, I track their flight. Amen. Just this weird thing I do. If I know you're going somewhere, and I know the airport, and I know where you're coming about the time, I track your flight. I just like to see uh, where people are going. And typically, when you fly from Miami, uh, you fly up from Miami, kind of through the panhandle, up through Georgia, and then cross Tennessee and back. Well, last night, uh, they didn't do that. They, there was a storm that came through. Uh, and on her flight, she left about, about 15 to 30 minutes later. And instead of flying uh, in a more northwesterly direction, uh, they actually took them from Miami and flew them down toward the Gulf, came all the way through the Gulf and up through Louisiana and back up that way. And as I was thinking about that, the Lord said to me, he said, remember when you were walking this week and I told you the storms will come, but they won't stop your destination. He said, and the thing that you have to always remember is that just because a storm comes your way is not an indication that you're on the wrong path. It's an indication that you live in this world and you have an adversary. And the adversary wants to put roadblocks and obstacles and things in your way to see whether or not you will just cave in, give up and quit, or if you will trust God to find another way. And so this morning I thought, man, I want us to continue uh, talking about this concept that we've been discussing about how God really wants to progress us with no limits. And so I want us to take a look at Psalms 119 verse 96. And you guys know this is one of my favorite scriptures. I just love what it says. And we're going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. Psalms 119 verse 96 says this. It says, I have seen that all human perfection has its limits. No matter how grand, no matter how perfect or how noble. But Lord, your commandment is exceedingly broad and extends without limits even into eternity. In other words, he says that no matter what the destination is, he says you can have the perfect plan, 
You can have everything laid out. You can have all the resources. You can have all the networks. You can have everything lined up the perfect way. He says, but everything that is created with human hands, at some point, it has a limit. No matter how perfect it is, at some point, the perfection is no longer perfect enough. He says, but God's commandment or God's word, he says, not only are they exceedingly broad, he said, but they are without limits. Mm -hmm. So if God tells you, I'm going to heal you, it doesn't matter what a doctor's report says. If God says to you, this is the year I'm going to get you in that house, it doesn't matter what the interest rates are. You have to be a person who says, I trust and believe God. God has called us to live a life of unlimited possibilities, a life that is both extensive and broad and one that exists without limits. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. neighbor. Say, I'm designed, I'm designed. and engineered and engineered. To, live this life to live this life without limits. Without limits. <laughs> Understand this. The word of God is crystal clear that we have an adversary. So no matter what, God has told you to do, it doesn't mean that there won't be challenges. The fact that there are challenges is indication that God is right and somebody's trying to stop you. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, it warns us by saying this. It says, be sober-minded. It says, and watch with diligence because your adversary, and then he's clear about who that adversary is. He says, the devil prowls about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This is why Jesus himself warns us in John 16 and 33 when he says, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Somebody shout peace. peace. That word peace is the, is, the, is the Hebrew word shalom. It means nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, in me you shall have nothing missing and you shall have nothing broken. He says, but in this world you shall have tribulation. He says, but be of what? Good cheer. Why? For I have overcome the world. Look at your neighbor and say, I already won. I already won. That's why the prophetic word that God gave us says, you are blessed, you are ready, and you shall win. Somebody shout, I already won. I already won. And because you've already won, it's just a matter of walking this thing out. This statement from Jesus, the one that he says in John 16, 33, it lets us know that in life we will have to face some storms. But that doesn't mean our life is not designed to be limitless. Here at Fellowship of Champions, we say this all the time. Being born again does not exempt you from what? Life's challenges. You are born again, but that does not mean that you won't have life challenges. Never approach life by saying, why me? Approach life by saying, it's me, but I'm with God. Because with God, all things are possible. We must understand that storms only test our faith. And that ultimately they reveal what's in our character. In fact, even in the prophetic word that God gave us to guide us through 2022, it says this. And if you remember, there's a quote in there. It says, and even if you see trouble... Even if you see trouble, remember, for every circumstance that shall come your way, you are already what? Blessed. You are already what? Ready. And you already what? Win. In order to live a life without limits, we must be willing to do things God's way. Amen. And this morning, that's what we want to talk about. How do we do things God's way? 
One of the things Pastor John talked about this morning in the early uh, broadcast, the, the, the online service, is the power of being obedient. Amen. One of the things she said was that the, if you think about it, the enemy says, Kedron, if you do everything God tells you to do, it's going to limit you. When the reality is, if you do everything God tells you to do, he takes the limits off your life. Yes. And so we have to learn if we're going to progress without limits, if we're going to live a life without limits, the things we have to do is learn how to honor God. Preach, preacher. Yes. Preach, Pastor Bay. You messing up all my notes. No, I'm, I'm on mine. <laughs> so y'all know Pastor Edward, don't let me see his notes, right? <laughs> you know he don't let me see his notes. But you know, I don't need no notes, so it's okay. <laughs> um, I want, you know, I really want to just share that I, I believe if you'll walk with me, you'll see how this ties into mm -hmm. what it is that Pastor Edwin is saying, that God wants us to live with no limits. Mm. And one of the things that you have to begin to develop is a champion mentality. Mm. Well, a champion mentality in the kingdom is an obedient mentality. Obedience is how you build a champion mentality. And you have to learn how to do what the Lord is telling you to do even when it doesn't make any sense. And one of the things that I was saying in the earlier broadcast is that one of the biggest challenges for so many believers is that you love Jesus but not more than your own opinion. So you love Jesus enough to lift your hands. You love Jesus enough to do the dance. But when Jesus says, this is my way for you to set, be set up in freedom, you don't love him enough mm. to dethrone yourself. Mm. And so many people walk in cycles in spite of hearing prophetic words because you did not decide before that obedience was your position. Mm. So when you believe you have an option that supersedes and is better than what God said, you take the escape. As a result, many believers live in a continual state of pain management but never freedom. My God. You do just enough to get free, and then you go back to the old life. But the people who want to live in victory have to make a decision that obedience is my position, even if it seems it costs me everything. So the scripture that I used at the beginning, it says, your progress will have no limits when you come alongside me. You will never stumble along the way. That refers to wisdom. So for every situation, God has given us wisdom that would cause us to overcome. For every, you don't have a problem that God doesn't have a solution for. Amen. So what the enemy does is try to get you to think you're smarter than God. Now, most people are not dumb enough to say, I think I'm smarter than God. But you are dumb enough to do what you want to do when God told you to do something else. Mm. So it's like being a kid, and anybody who grew up in this house, you've encountered this. Your mama says she said something. You say, mama, you didn't say that. She says, are you calling me a lie? Mm. You ain't dumb enough to say it, but in your heart, you think she lying. Some of you need to deal with the fact that in your heart you think God is lying. 
In your heart, you think he's lying. You don't trust him. You don't trust him. So when you were saying this and you went to the scripture in 1 Peter, I saw something I had never seen before. So can you read the scripture in 1 Peter again? Sure. He says, be sober-minded and watch with diligence. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, so God has a solution for that. Tell your neighbor, say, God's solution or wisdom. The problem is, is that God's solutions don't make sense to carnal people. And you can love Jesus and be carnal, I want to tell you that. So his solutions don't make sense to you. So I was thinking about this scripture I've never connected before together. In Malachi 3, in the tithe, he says, bring the tithes and the offering into my storehouse. And I will do what? Rebuke the devourer for your sake. For your sake. Now, this scripture right here tells us there's a devourer that's coming. There's an adversary looking for an opportunity to devour you. So God says, I'm going to give you something to do before the adversary shows up so you don't have to war so I can get involved. So in Malachi, the third chapter, in the 11th verse, let me go back to verse 8. It says, will a man rob God? Absolutely. Will you, you have robbed me, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there will be meat in my house. And prove me here with, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not, first promise, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out an empowerment, and there won't be room enough to receive it. So he says, if you care about what I care about enough to do what I said, the reward for that is that I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and empower you so much you won't be able to keep it all. That's the first thing. So understand the strategy of the enemy is to get you to argue about whether tithe is Old Testament or New Testament. You having a debate about whether it's law or not law. It's a promise attached to it. He says, if you bring it to me, I'm going to empower you. But then he goes on and says something else. He says, and I will. Some of you spend so much time fighting the devil, but he says, he. I mm -hmm. will rebuke the devil. You fighting the devil. He like, if you would do what I told you to do, I got this. You stressed out. You've been on another 30-day fast. Still ain't seen no breakthrough. You're laying on your face, not sleeping at night. Your skin messed up because you sunk all in. He got jaundice because you don't drink water because you fast kojic and you can't even sip no water. And you're still in the same situation when he said, I've given you an answer. I've given you the answer. And, and that is the problem in today's culture. You use an example with the tithe, but you can take that to anything because in today's culture, what happens is that the lines that divide right and wrong become more blurred and blurred every single day. That you, when, when we grew up, even though we wasn't supposed to be listening to secular music, when we were listening to Ice Cube, but we pulled it back to church, we at least turned the music down. Now, young folk don't even turn the music down. Whatever they saying in the music, they pull up on the church parking lot with it. 
Listen, I ain't saying I was perfect. My mama's here. I'm making a confession. When I was a kid in high school, I cursed. Act like you didn't hear that, mama. <laughs> but you know what my mama never heard? Now you got kids cussing with their parents. Cussing at their parents. Because the reality of it is what the enemy wants to do is he wants to blur the lines between right and wrong so you don't know which one you're doing. He wants you to be able to do wrong and call it right. And while there may be ambiguity in the world, there is none in the word. There is none in the word. There is no ambiguity. So because you call it right, don't make the word call it right. So you may be doing something and say, well, it's okay. Everybody do it. It's okay. My neighbors do it. It's okay. At our church, we do it. It's okay. My pastor does it. It doesn't matter you calling it right if the Bible called it wrong. And so what happens is, is we, 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 we need the word of God to be real in our lives. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 12, it says that the word of God is as sharp as a two-edged sword. It says it is so sharp that it literally separates the soul from the spirit. It separates bone from marrow. It separates like a surgeon's scalpel, separating an infection from, a good, from good tissue in the body. It separates life from death, right from wrong, good from evil, and what is truth and what is false. And if you don't live your life based on the word, you won't know which is which. You won't know which is which. It's the reason why you see people doing things and you hear Bible-believing people say, well, you know, the, the fornication used to be wrong. We're just human. Nobody drives a car without test driving it first. But it don't matter how many people you sleep with, it'll never make it right. Well, we used to tithe, but you know, now I just I put my money in my 401k for the, for the future. Okay. But what you're doing is you're robbing God trying to set up your future. The Bible says that nothing you do will last if you don't honor God. One of the things we said this morning, we talked about this, this phrase that people say when it says someone serves at the pleasure. You know, we're getting ready to have a new governor's race, and we're going to have a new governor. Our current governor is terminated, so it's going to be a new governor. And whoever that new governor is, there are certain positions that report at heads of state that, that serve at the pleasure of that governor. But we were talking and we were saying that people really don't understand that, that phrase because when it says that I serve at the pleasure of, what it really means is it's my, it's my honor to serve you. So if you serve, if your life, you've given your life to the Lord, and you say, Lord, it's, it's my honor to serve at your pleasure, then really it should be your honor to serve the Lord. And if it's your honor to serve the Lord, guess what? Obedience should be something you're happy about doing. It shouldn't be something you have to fight God on. And we talked about that the maturity should be that when you're a kid, maybe you're throwing temper tantrums. Mm. But some of y'all been in the church a long time to still be throwing temper tantrums. And if your 16-year-old was in Target rolling on the floor because they couldn't get a toy, we trying to understand what's happening up in here. Because, you know, at 6, you had a tough day. You can't manage your thinking-feeling cycle. <laughs> at 16, we got problems. 
Some of you have been with the Lord 16, 20 years. And when he's like, sow that seed, you still won't do it. Praying for increase, not understanding the principles that God uses to increase. And this is so important because I believe that money is the test because people work for money. And so money is, shows what your heart is attached to. And so God is trying to get you to use money so you will attach your heart to him. Because once your heart is attached to him, there's nothing you can't have. What do I mean? The scripture says, he says, if you delight in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, when you attach your heart to him, you stop wanting stuff he didn't want you to have. You don't want the house if he don't want you to live in it. You don't want the car if he don't want you to live in it. You don't want the job, no matter how many benefits they offer. So instead of trying to sow seed to force God's hand, you're sowing because you love God, which then enters you into a new dispensation. Mm. So I was saying to Pastor Edwin that God's will for us is to prosper and to be in health. Because this right here, if you don't take anything else from this message, take this. God is looking for some people he can make a billboard for his goodness. Mm. He's looking for some people that he can make a billboard mm. for his goodness. And you need to hear this, that one of the reasons that the enemy fights to keep the church broke is because money is the tool to win people's hearts in many occasions. Mm. What do I mean? God is looking for your family to have so much increase that he could send you to Target right now to buy somebody's groceries and you could do it and still get your groceries. And then when they say, why would you do this? You would say, because Jesus loves you and he sees you. Yeah. But what he's looking for is a people who will say, I serve at the pleasure, at the pleasure of the, the king. king. You need me to be a stay-at-home mom right now? Own it. You need me to work a job I don't really like right now? Own it. You need me to forgive this per? Own it. Because I serve at the pleasure of the king. This is so important because God's desire is that our progress would have no limits. And there are places that God needs you in the world that you cannot go when you are broke. See, the body of Christ, you don't understand that when God puts a desire in your heart for a vacation, yes, he wants you to relax. There's also somebody at that resort he yeah, wants touched. He wants, that's right. The reason that there's a desire for a certain kind of car is because at the gas station, somebody go ask you how you got that. And you can talk about how the Lord. See, you got to understand God uses everything. So the enemy works to make you think that money is a carnal separate thing. And you don't understand that God uses money both to get your heart and then to use your heart to get their heart. So God is looking for some people that are willing to be distribution centers. So I want to say this, the enemy tempts, but God tests. Mm. You want a scripture? Deuteronomy 8 and 1. It says, and he led them through the wilderness, and he allowed them to hunger so he could feed them with manna, and he could show them what was in their hearts. See, people say all the time, we've been in ministry 22 years, people always say this, you know, Pastor, if I had a million dollars, I would give more. No, you wouldn't. You're lying. Yeah. You know how I know? 
you won't get a $10 he told you to give right now. So you're deceiving yourself. So people don't understand that the way the kingdom works is that when you say, God, I'm looking to limit, to increase with no ends. God is like, cool, let's put you in a training program. Mm. No, okay. You're like, cool. Like, really, you're like, God, I want to progress with no limits. He's like, there we go, Chris, training program. And then he starts training you, and people don't understand how God trains. Faithful over little, ruler over much. See, you think missing prayer is just you missing prayer. But the intern program says you're not ready to handle more. You think spending the dollar when the McDonald's Donald's dollars drinks was a dollar on the person behind you is just a dollar. The intern, your angel reports back and says, oh, they're, they're not ready for a $5 test. You think that when the Lord told you to give that $20 to somebody you can't stand, your sister who didn't pay you back the last five $20 you gave her, you think it ain't wisdom to give, but it's rebellion not to. Somebody said, ooh, child, see, you can always tell when you hit a nerve right there. And do you know why you would not, you would think you could decide who was qualified to receive? You don't serve at the pleasure of the king. <laughs> you serve at your pleasure. When, when the king says, this is what we're doing, it's what we're doing. If, if the king says, take that $50 and give it to the homeless person, and you say, they could get a job just like me, then the intern program says, oh, no, they're not ready to handle that $500,000 income that I want to give them because they don't follow instructions. That's why in Galatians it says you can't deceive God. It says you can't deceive him. He's going to test mm -hmm. you in your obedience. You know the thing I love about God? God is so gracious and so kind. He will not tell you that you're stupid. You've literally been trying to pass the same test like you've been in first grade in obedience for 13 years. And he never says, ooh, you dumb. He just says, let's find another teacher. Let's send another way. Okay, they didn't get it when Pastor Elwin said it. Let, let, let's try Pastor Ralph. Um, let, let's have a random person walk up to them and say it. Because, because God is so invested in you living limitless that he will keep bringing you the opportunity for promotion. And I think that this is so important. And I was saying to you that the Lord had given me things to say in the house because there are things I say when I go out. And you guys need to hear this. For years... For years, we gave at a level that we didn't tell other people about. And we didn't tell other people about because we didn't want y'all out here talking about we was trying to hustle you out your money. But even if someone has hustled in seed time and harvest, it doesn't change that it is the principle that God has set forth for your increase. Why is this important? All economic indicators tell us that we're about to go into a worse economic season. So who's going to be preserved are the people who have not put their heart to what's here. Their heart is to there. Yes. And then there is a promise that God makes 
2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Do you want to say something? 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, because I know I talked a long time. Okay. Well, sorry. Okay. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, in the Amplified Version, it's a scripture that'll change your life. And not only will it set you free from financial woes, it will cause you to have an advantage in every situation because God needs you in the right place at the right time. So now it's not just about you needing that, you wanting that, you desiring that. It is that heaven needs you there because you proved that you could be trusted with the $5 with the homeless man. You proved that you would forgive the debt that somebody owed you. You proved that you would sell your TV money. You proved that you would be faithful and in every test he opens the door and takes you into a new place because he's found somebody who will serve at the pleasure of the king. I'm trying to help you. Listen, you ain't got to change, but let me tell you something. You you ain't got a budget. You ain't got a financial plan that will ever outperform the kingdom of God. They have the only returns that increase year after year after year. You're the only returns in your 401k. I bet you it went down. Anything you in, I bet you it goes up and down. You know what doesn't go up and down? The kingdom of God. And God wants you to live there one, because he loves you. Any parents in here? Can you imagine your kids living stressed when you got the resources to help them? Like, have you ever like wanted to help your little kid put their shoe on? And they just straining to put their shoe on. Putting it on the wrong foot, turned the wrong way. I got it. You actually don't. (laughs) You don't have it. That's why it's taking us 37 minutes and you still don't have a one shoe on. And you're like, would you just let me help you? Seed time and harvest is God's way of saying, would you just let me help you? Listen, so I want you to do, take, take a moment and do this. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor say, all of my tests, all of my tests are, platforms are platforms for my progress. For my progress. I want you to remember yeah, that all good. of your tests They're just platforms for your progress. How do I know that? If you go to the book of Acts, and I I think it's Acts chapter 27. You don't have to go there today. But if you go and you read it on your own, you're going to find that the the apostle Paul, who wasn't the apostle uh, Paul that you know of him writing two-thirds of the New Testament, he found himself on a ship. He was a prisoner on that ship. And as he was a prisoner on that ship, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And the angel of the Lord told him, he said, this ship is going to be shipwrecked. He told him a storm is going to come and this ship is going to be shipwrecked. He said, but there shall be no loss of life. Now, the Bible goes on to tell us that they actually were shipwrecked. They ended up on the island of Malta. And on that island, even Paul, when they were cold and they were hungry, the Bible says he got bit by a viper, but he did not die. He shook the viper off into the fire. And most people stop preaching when they preach that story. But if you keep on reading the story, what you find out is that there was a family on that island. And the family that was on that island, they were suffering from sickness. And the Bible says it gave Paul an opportunity to launch his healing ministry. Some of you, if you will just pass the test, 
the thing that God has called you to will be launched out of that test. But because you keep backing up, because you keep quitting, because you keep caving in, you never get to see the next thing God wants to do. But I declare today, you'll pass the test. In fact, you ought to just lift up your hands and declare, today, I passed the test. Today I don't know I what the test the is. Test. Maybe it's a tithing test. I don't know. Maybe it's an obedience test. I don't know. Maybe it's a dietary test. I don't know. Maybe it's the way you live your life test. I don't know. But today, make the decision. I'm to pass the test because every test you have becomes a platform for your progress. The enemy wants, you, good, the enemy wants you to think that this test is designed to stop you and to make you reach a stalemate. But God says, no, I am putting this because God doesn't tempt. He does test just like you said. But the test ain't for him. It's for you because how do you get promoted? <laughs> How do you get promoted? You gotta take a test. So you can prove what's in your own heart. You say, God, I love you, I trust you over everything. Even when you get even when you get laid off? Are you gonna trust me? Are you gonna trust when you get a bad health report? Are you gonna trust when your kids wilding out? Are you gonna trust me when you, when, when everything that you had planned out crumbles? Will you still trust me? Tell your neighbor, say the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Because it's an open book test, yes. okay? In case y'all got, yes. in case y'all did was like searching for the answer, the, the book is open. Have you, and, and, and to be clear, God has always, look at the word, God has always put before us twos. Twos. He's always put before us twos. He says, I put before you what? Life and death. You can choose what? Heaven or hell. You can have sickness or, or health. He's always given us two. Be clear, there is no third option. You will either serve God or not serve God. There is no middle ground. I know we read in Revelation, he says, I would that you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my... There is actually no lukewarmness in the kingdom. You are either serving him or you're not. And you got to make the decision, am I willing to serve God even in the areas that are uncomfortable for me? Because, see, it's, it's, it's easy to serve God. Well, you, it, it, I used to not like Brussels sprouts. I hated them. I just did not like them. I think they tried to get me to eat them one time as a kid, and I just hated them. I've grown up. My palate has become more refined. I like a good Brussels sprout now. But back in the day, you said the Lord said don't eat Brussels sprouts. I'd have ran around this church. Agreeing with God. Why? Because I wasn't going to him anyway. Some of you only obey God when you wasn't going to do it. You wasn't going to obey God anyway. And so it's easy to agree with God. But will you agree with God on that thing that you know you're supposed to do but it's hard to do? When God, when God says, I want you to call them, and I want you to tell them you sorry, even though they were the one who really did it. Oh, oh, let's be clear. There's, there's no misunderstanding. You did not do it. They did it. But he called you and told you, serve at my pleasure.
I feel like you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> Just at me next time, like they say on social media. I feel like you was talking about me. It feels shady, but everybody know you petty. How many of y'all know he was talking about, about No, no, I think in that per moment. Se. Per se. <laughs> right. It was, no. no, but are y'all understanding what we're saying? Because God is really trying to set you up to win. He's trying to set you up to win. How much longer you want to go? I got a, I got a couple of words for some people. Go ahead right now. Amen. I'm saying you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. What? We good. Come on. I feel so pressured in this moment. You asked. I want to tell you, though, that... God is trying to set you up to win. He does want you to win. And I want you to understand that the things that you have been wrestling with, mm. that in your yes is victory beyond anything you have ever seen before. In your yes. In your yes. yes. You have to make the yes before the test starts. Mm. And then you got to stick to the yes when the test is going on. And some of you keep walking out of the exam center. But you need to sit through it. Because God is going to raise you up. Mm. Mm. Let me tell you why God raises people up. Mm -hmm. Three reasons. To glorify him. Mm -hmm. God always go get maximum glory out yep. of our lives. Yep. God is an investor. Yep. Contrary to what people think, yep. he gave one son for many. For He's many. looking for a return. Yep. Number two, he loves you. He does. He wants you to live a good life. Absolutely. And number three, he wants your life to be a testimony. Mm. So I was saying that the Lord gave me some words for some people. But I want to tell you before I give you these words, because you can give in all this, but I want to tell you this scripture that absolutely changed our life. God, you can make yourself indispensable to God. You can, you can make yourself indispensable to God. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, in the sixth verse, it says, Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly, but he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously this is the mindset most people have missed about seed seed is not for you seed is from you to get what God has for someone else and in return he rewards you for being obedient it says, we'll also reap generously and with blessings. Go to the next verse, because this is the verse that changed my life. It says, let each one give as he is made up in his own mind and purpose in his heart. I say her, let each one give as she is made up in her own mind and purpose in her heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or com under compulsion. For God loves. It tells you what God loves. It says he takes pleasure in and prizes above other things. 
he is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do giver who his heart is in his giving. Understand, God is only trying to get you to pass the giving test because the person who decides to be this for God, he won't let you be broke. In any area. In any area. In any area. This is so funny. Typically, if you're talking about money, I'm like, in any area. Today, I'm talking about money. You're like, in any area. <laughs> but understand this. I'm telling you that God wants to do something financially. Amen. To level up your life because there is another room he needs you in. Yes. 